All right, everybody, it's time for your favorite podcast. This is Survival of the Fittest. It's the soup du jour. I'm Roberto Trevino, and I've got a treat for you today. All right, get ready, because you know I love to introduce you to really cool people. And I have met someone super cool who's got a great story It's going to share with us here on Survival of the Soup du jour. Is this, I mean, Survival of the Fittest is soup du jour. So here we go. Let me introduce you to Chrissy Benoit. I love to say that last name because it makes me sound sophisticated. Merayeto. Chrissy Benoit. Huh? Sacre bleu. There you go, huh? That's my French for today. Mademoiselle, welcome to Survival of the Fittest. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Nice to meet you. My pleasure. And it's a pleasure to meet you as well. So, you know, uh, one thing that the, the hurricane has done to all of us is kind of brought all kinds of interesting things about you know it brought some funky weather that's for sure you know and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it also kind of uh, helped us realize that in yes indeed we are surviving yes. you know and uh, and there's so much to share and um, we were just talking and I said to myself you know what we've got to share your story so how you doing I'm doing good I'm doing good I'm up here in Orlando having fun yeah mm -hmm. what are you up to uh, visiting with you all, yeah. um, visiting some other friends, getting out of West Palm Beach. You know, we yeah. got a lot of wind and rain there too, but not as bad as you guys did up here. Nah, I mean, we, we didn't expect it, so that yeah. it kind of hit us by surprise as well. Which yeah. you know, we, you know, we, we certainly thought that we'd kind of like just get away with no problems at all. But you know what? And a lot of people, unfortunately, are still dealing with it. Yeah. here in central florida yeah. not to mention the west coast which seems to have been just devastated just demolished so we're definitely yeah. out praying for them as yeah. well so yeah yeah for sure so tell me you're in the culinary business currently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily put in the hardcore kitchen life not anymore no no you're very fortunate that yes way. i am we were talking about that yeah so i did uh you know had a few restaurants in my past had a production kitchen, um, and for years, you know, did front of the house, did back of the house, cooked, and now I'm lucky enough to be in a role where I just get to help uh, other people develop their business. Wow. Yeah, which is really nice. I mean, like with just hook, line, and sinker, everything? Everything, you name wow. it, from uh, overseeing construction to licensing to food costs to human resources, so kind of anywhere there's a hole that needs to be filled or fixed, I do it. And your culinary past is? Culinary past, I worked with, I didn't go to culinary school, but nice. I worked with people who cook a lot better than I did, and <laughs> I just shut up and listened. You know, I worked with Wolfgang Puck for many years, nice. and then I've been lucky enough to live in some very cool places. You and I were both talking about New Orleans, oh. which the food is, well, you know. Brulee. Yeah, the food's amazing. And then I got to live in the Caribbean for a bit on a little island out there. Which so. one? I was in uh, St. John, U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, of course, that's the good party. Very island. nice. It's so great. What is it? What is it? Uh, what is the name of that bay? Is it not Discovery Bay? It's uh, Cruise Bay. There's Cruise Bay. Yeah, that's Cruise the bay. main. That's like the and main. Mongoose Central. Cafe. Was Mongoose it? Junction. Mongoose yeah, Mongoose Junction. Cafe is in there. Look at you. So I lived right across the street from Mongoose Cafe. No way. Yeah. And That's I worked beautiful. for Keneal Bay. I don't know if oh, you really? know. Keneal Bay was just. That's a Rosewood property, It's right? a Rosewood property. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I used Peter to be. Peter Sheridan or Shandling? I don't know. And uh, 
Puri, that was the, the corporate uh, food and beverage guy? Maybe, you might have been. Well, I was there at the Millennium. So I was there 20 years ago. Oh, okay. It's painful to say out loud, but now, it was 20 years ago. So, but it was amazing, and it, it was an amazing experience. And then I lived up in uh, the Hamptons, and I worked up there. Nice. So, I mean, like, you know, places I can't afford to live unless I'm working there, you know. That's so, sweet. Yeah. Oh, look, so. One of the perks of being a good cook, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. So, lots of really fun food influences, different cultures, different places. I mean, that's kind of the neat thing about the food business, you know, because, like, everybody eats. Everyone and eats. everybody eats, and food brings everybody together. So I think, you know, you're always a popular person when you're serving the food. Right. Yeah. And Wolfgang was what kind of experience? I mean, you'd say, I mean, obviously very, very culinary based. I mean, but he's also a, lot, a great guy. He's a lot of fun. Yes. I mean, that's certainly how he projects himself, he is. you know. 100%. But he doesn't seem like the tyrant chef, you know. No, you know, I mean, my experience there was, you know, what I experienced with Wolfgang Puck was when you weren't focused and you weren't down to business, that's when you'd see the, the hardcore chef come out in him where he's like shaking you into paying attention. But if you were doing your job, he was a ton of fun to work with. Great sense of humor, liked to joke around, liked to have a good time, liked to create food, very creative. Um, oh. So it was, a, it was a great time, great job. And, I, you know, I just can't believe you were in St. John. I mean, yeah. you know, I've been in Puerto Rico for years, so. Yeah, I love it there. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, we're real close. Yeah. And uh, that's where y'all would come in. We were Sin City for y'all. Yeah, yeah. Not, not that St. John is not right. a Sin City island. Right. Because You were is. just a bigger Sin City in, yeah. in Puerto Rico. We were, you know, kept it small. <laughs> but yeah. super chic. Yeah. You know, didn't Batali have a place there for a long time? Not in St. John. I mean, St. John was so tiny. I, you know, I don't know if he had something in St. Thomas, but I mean, St. John is two-thirds national park. So only a third of it is actual, um, you know, businesses and residential. And right. the rest is all just beautiful jungle island. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's unbelievable with ruins, 300-year-old ruins. The restaurant I ran out there was... Um, it was a 300-year-old sugar mill. Oh, nice. It was converted into a restaurant. What was the name of it? It was called The Equator at the time. Nice. In Keneal Bay. And it was just, God, it was just, it was just you pinch yourself when you, you're making food for people in something that has that level of history. It's just amazing Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it was and, and, great. And, you know, and I keep jumping, you know. And so you were at, in, at Los Angeles then. Yeah. With, and and yep. any, anywhere else in California? I was did. So I worked, I lived in Southern California, Huntington Beach. And then I opened different restaurants. So, like, there's a great mall at Fashion Island. We opened one in Newport Beach. Uh, we opened um, one in San Diego. Oh, all the really nice parts yeah, of town. Yeah, yeah. Did some know? stuff up in L.A., Aubuchine and whatnot. Oh, wow. Um, but then I would also go, like I went to Denver and I got to travel to open the restaurants. And then when we were opening one in this new development called Downtown Disney that was being built, okay. you know, I got to go to do that. And that's when I decided I'm moving. I'm moving to Florida. And, and, and that's always, a, a, yeah, you know, here I, I, am. I, don't, I don't ever deny that I enjoy my life here in Florida. It's the yeah. good life. Yeah. You know, it can be tough sometimes, but sure. I mean, it is just definitely, you know, the weather's nice. There's definitely enough restaurants for a chef to kind of find his niche. Yeah. And people love to dine out. Yeah, I think the food scene here is, is uh, it's always been good. And I think it's definitely turning a corner where I think there's, there's definitely, the Orlando seems to have like more people like yourself with some real chops and some real creativity coming to the table. Not just good food, but good creativity. 
No, 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 I agree. I think it's great. And I think another thing about uh, Orlando, you know, other than having the super duper quality, you know, and I think that Disney had a super trickle, you yeah. know, trickle effect on yeah. like everything else going on here in uh in uh, in Orlando yeah. and I just think that it's only been a big plus, you yeah. know. But here I need to ask you, okay, so we we survived the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you noticed that it's gotten more and more difficult to hire good staff? Oh my gosh, yes. I and I think I believe that there's the pandemic effect, which you and I were talking about earlier, that I think has kind of created a bit of a reckoning within the hospitality industry. And I, you know, we, you and I were having a great conversation about how the diners need to kind of, they have their role in this. And I think they're learning that, that the people that are doing hospitality really for their love of hospitality, give up a lot to give you a great meal and a great experience. And I think finding people that are finding that joy in doing it uh, equal to the task to do it is very difficult. Right. And I also think that, um, you know, I noticed a long time ago in restaurants that, like when I was coming up in restaurants, you know, we would write training manuals. I wrote, you know, training manuals for Wolfgang Puck. And, And I mean, you know, there was a lot of, effort and energy that went into bringing on great staff and giving them skills. So when they went out to the tables, I mean, these people were pros. They could tell you everything about sake. They could tell you everything about bourbon. They could tell you everything about, you know, back in the day when like, you know, daikon was exotic, you know, like they'd be like, let me tell you what it is, you know, and they knew. And I mean, that's a huge investment for restaurants to make. And I don't think a lot of restaurants are making it anymore because A, I don't think the staff puts up with it. Yeah. They're not interested in learning. I don't mean to sound negative, but they, let me work and do my job. They're, the passion isn't there, right? Yeah. So, and I think it's expensive. And I think uh, the cost of this business and the margins in this business are, you, you, if you don't have passion, yeah, then, it's then just, why, why do it? Well, you know, to your point as well, I, I think there, there, there comes a, there's that fine line where the guests are going to have to accept that this to dine out is going to cost a lot of money. And yes. you know, I hate to sound like that because it's you say to yourself, true. but it, it has to be that way. It's true. Or it just won't be, it won't be sustainable. Right. You know, like, you know, your staff is very expensive. Food is very expensive these days. And uh, somewhere. And insurances are expensive. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of it. it. And I think restaurants tend to get squeezed in the middle. You know, when you think about it, it's a business model where you lay out, all the money to build a beautiful environment. You lay out all the money to hire a staff. You lay out all the money to bring and fill the pantry. Right. All the money to perfect the recipes. And then you open the doors and you hope that people walk in. Mm. Like, think about that business model. It's, it's tricky. And I, you know, the other thing I, I see with restaurants that I don't know that it would ever change, but I feel like sometimes in our desire to, to draw people in, with kind of that Barker mentality. Come on right. in. Oh, exactly. we got this. We got this. Step we got right this. up. Step right up. <laughs> I think, you know, if, if restaurants would would band together a little bit more, mm. and I, you know, I know the public might not like to hear this, but I just don't think anybody wins when you're charging $5 for a beer. So I go, well, I'm going to charge $4 for a beer. And then somebody yeah. else, well, I'm going to charge $3. So I'm going to charge $2 for a beer. At the end of the day, we're all racing to the bottom. And I think... 
the customer ultimately doesn't win either because they think that catches up. When you're all trying, when we're all racing everybody to see who can be the cheapest and deliver the best experience, at some point that experience is going to suffer. Wow, and that's a great point. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. You know, I haven't not heard that put yeah. that way. So yeah. you're, you have a very keen, Thank you know, you. Uh, vision of what is going on, which yeah. is nice. And you know, this is precisely why you are on this podcast because I was I noticed very very fast that I said, wow. Thanks. You know, they, they definitely have that going. And, uh, and what, what, what is the, the key to the future? I mean, any insight? For restaurants? You know, I, I think, I mean, first I think Yelp should go away. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah. I think we Yelp agree. should go away. I think that other businesses should stop trying to, to make their business on the backs of restaurants. And by that, I mean, you know, I do think that... Um, there is a relationship with all things, all businesses, right? right? Everybody's got to make a little of theirs. But I think, you know, with the pandemic, I think, and before this, I just think it's really showing itself now. You know, you got to a point where the only, got, the only people making the money are the landlords, right? right? Oh. Okay, they're getting their money no matter what, right? And then you've got people, you know, seeing how much they can cut costs to draw customers in. And then I think... The reality and the perception of what food costs, I think, yeah. is incredibly skewed. And not just on the level you and I deal with, but I think on a level of what it takes to produce food. And it, it, people don't understand the, the government subsidies and the way that we handle food. We all have a very skewed understanding of what a chicken breast should actually cost. Right. Right. And I think... I think what happened with the pandemic is I think it showed a lot of that stuff that was really kind of, we've been chugging along with it on a very thin, delicate margin, and the pandemic kind of really exposed a lot of that. I mean, I had random chicken breasts, $4 a pound. No. When does that ever happen? I mean, like, I mean, stuff, I mean, we are paying right now just for like, you know, you think of your plastic salad container, you get a salad to go, those used to be... 12 cents. Yeah. They are 50 cents now. Yeah. And while 50 cents doesn't sound like anything, when you multiply that and it's, and your margin is 10% and now you're paying this for the, this for the label, this for that. And everybody wants, you know, everything wrapped in cutlery kits and like think, you know, for sanitation, it gets very, your margin's gone that quickly. Yeah, no, it's, it's, gone. it's gotten tough. So yeah. uh, could we honestly say that this is the beginning of the end of the restaurant business? I don't think so. I, no. I don't think it will ever be the end. Love but to I hear think, that, by the way. Yeah. Woo. yeah, I think people love eating out. I think yes. there's a lot of passionate people that love giving hospitality. But I do think... Um, what's the best way I could say? You know, sometimes a tree grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And sometimes when you shake the heck out of it. Hello, Hurricane Ian. You shake the heck out of it, branches come off, but right. sometimes those are the branches that needed to come off. Right. Right? For the tree to regain a healthy balance. And I think restaurants, with the advent of Yelp, the advent of all these delivery services that want to start with, I'm going to take 30%. And they don't right. even know what they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to take all your profit and then some. Aren't you glad I'm here to deliver your food? Yeah. What? Yeah. I think a lot of those things um, are going to be considered differently and i think that we're going to have to 
look out for ourselves too. I think restaurants have to play together better in the sandbox rather than, you know, healthy competition. But I would love it where it's not, you're coming to me because my beer's a buck cheaper. You're coming to me because my staff is educated. My restaurant is clean. The food is good. And we know your name when you walk in the door, not just because the beer is cheap. So it could be to the advantage of the restaurant future that we're realizing all these things I at this so. point. I so do that's think a positive so. angle. I think it's very positive. That's it's good. painful. It's painful. But it's positive. I and agree. I think, you know, customers have to also recognize that just because someone is a, I'll just use, I'm a server, not a servant. Mm. It's very different, you know, and we yeah. have to remember how we treat people with kindness. And in order for somebody on any level to continue to give hospitality, you know, they have to regrow their own fuse too. You can't keep putting everyone's needs ahead of your own because to me that's what hospitality is. It's putting someone's needs ahead of my own, finding joy in it, which is an added bonus, but that means I also have to recharge too. Right. And you can't do that when you're working 70 hours a week. Yeah, well, you know, there's it's a lot tough. of, yeah, no, and there's a lot of great realizations and even chefs, yeah. even chefs, we've been overworked for too long, you know, and uh, it, it's kind of, <laughs> refreshing yeah. to see yeah. this going on only because now we can re kind of retool it a little bit yeah. and i but i do think that you know as an industry you know i feel like sometimes restaurants are always you know like giovanni and i've talked where i'm like you know restaurants are great for like you know money laundering tax breaks <laughs> you know they're not always great for like building a fantastic living Right. They're really not. And so I think so many restaurants live passionately on the ropes. Yeah. They're passionately on the ropes all the time. You get to a point where you kind of can't navigate your own waters. You're just trying to keep up with them. And I think if restaurants, like if everybody here, they all got together and went, you know what? We're not going to do certain things as a collective. Therefore, when the customers come, they'll be choosing us for, for truer reasons. And then I think you build your brand better and you can get your your money and you can take care of your employees and all the things that everybody says that they want but it's all the things that everybody wants is it's going to cost more money it's going to cost more money well i truly feel enlightened today no you really have a very unique perspective <laughs> on you. this and yeah. i think that there is value in what you're saying and i'm it's so nice to have you on the podcast and sharing this this vision because very unique and yeah. it's on the money i think so too you know? i think we're going to see it a lot of the things i mean i don't know any other way i think if we go back to doing things the way that we we were before the pandemic the world has just changed everything has changed a lot has changed we cannot go back to doing that or we're going to have i mean everybody knows restaurants are high risk high risk they before this they were turning over like crazy so we got to change well i'm hoping that this, i hope Tons of people hear this because this is very special, what you've shared with us today. Because yeah. it's, like I said, not many people think like this and not yeah. many people can verbalize it the way you have. Thank so you. that is a winner. And I'd have to say, you know, Chrissy Benoit, <laughs> what a pleasure. My pleasure. No, really. All on this side of the table. No, no, I'm so serious. I mean, I wish I could have a few shots with you too, you know. Nice. <laughs> that would be amazing. Very good, yes. Well, how do we find you? Um, well, I work down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay. I have a website, ChrissyBenoit.com. Okay. okay. Um, lots of projects I do there. Um, but yeah, you can look me up online or there we look go. me up through your podcast or yeah, whatever. I would have to say so. Yeah. But definitely. So uh, Chrissy Benoit, mm -hmm. 
Com. Yes. And that's the best way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Once again, we're here surviving. This is Survival of the Fittest. This is Soup du Jour. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. And we will continue. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.